I was gone for a minute, but now I'm back! Yes, I know I'm a fool. I know I'm an interesting character, but thanks for listening to this interesting character's story. Um, it's been over a week. I know. I, uh, I don't really have anything to say other than just, you know what? Life can really drop a load of crap right on your doorstep so that you have to deal with it immediately. But uh, I came in extra early today so that I can really further this podcast and, and help you guys understand what happened when my life came crashing down for the, I don't know, 20th time. 25th time, 30th time, I don't know what we're at at this point. But uh, anyway, without further ado, we've got part eight of The Homeless Millionaire. So I come running out of my landlord's office. Everyone's freaking out. There's fire trucks. There's there's sirens. All of these things are happening. And I'm going, what in the hell happened? And no one at this point really knew. And so obviously I don't really know what's going on. So I pull out my phone and I start videotaping everything because there's smoke that is just billowing through the hallways. Uh, we've got gear that's on fire. We've got surge protectors that are popping. We've got all of these things that are happening. No one at this point knows what is going on. So I run outside and there is debris everywhere. The fire trucks are pulling in. I think we had like three or four fire trucks. XL Energy comes running in. I mean, I'm telling you, they probably had seven different trucks because of what had just happened. Now, what had just happened was a huge microburst hit the area. Now, we were in this little kind of strip mall thing originally, and we had taken half the top floor, half the bottom floor, and of course, on opposite ends. I know that I said that before, but you got to realize with our influx of traffic, that's what really realistically started the giant war between me and my landlord because we were growing at a rate that we necessarily, we, we just weren't prepared for, and that space wasn't good for. So what happens next is a microburst hits the area, and the place right behind us was a bowling alley. Now, the bowling alley just happened to be redoing their entire roof. When the microburst hit the area, which, if anyone doesn't know what a microburst is, it's basically like tornado force winds that happen for about five or ten seconds, and then they're done. And so, we got hit by... I. I I can't remember what they look, because there was a bunch of damage that was done around in the area. And I want to say that they said that it was like 130 miles an hour or, or 170 miles an hour. I can't remember exactly, well over 100 miles an hour. And when you have roofing materials, which there was insulation, there was the, the metal roof that they were putting on there, there was tools, there was all these things. And the, the area got hit by the microburst and it blew all of the materials that they were using to re-roof this bowling alley into our power transformer. So our power transformer gets hit and uh, our building is connected to what's called three-phase power. So when our power transformer gets hit, one of the pieces of insulation that has fiberglass on one side and then this metal backing on the other starts connecting two of the three phases of power. So we'd go really, really hot and then we'd go really, really low and really, really hot and really, really low, really, really hot. 
So our power is just going insane. And so we're running around trying to plug or unplug every single thing that we can so that we can try to save as much stuff as we can. And uh, XL Energy is running through the building. The debris has gone everywhere in the parking lot. So we've had tools come down and hit people's cars and uh, insulations everywhere. Pieces of the roof are everywhere. I mean, it looks like a war zone. Fire people, um, fire people, <laughs> firefighters are, are running around and they're, they're trying to get everyone to safety and uh, XL Energy actually red tapes, uh, red tags the building. So that means that it's not safe to enter or occupy. And uh, I mean, when I say there's smoke throughout the entire building, I'm I'm serious. It's billowing through the through the hallway. Um, you can smell smoke in the air. We don't know if the electrical wires in the wall were fried, and so we, I mean, we think we've lost everything. Everything. All right, cool. I finally, I'm done. I'm done. This, <laughs> I. What am I supposed to do with this? Right. You know, there's there's really nothing like. Going through the eviction process and fighting with your landlord and then losing everything that you use to make money. So this has been an arduous process to say the least. I, I, I'm at a loss for words at this moment in my life and I'm, I'm looking around and so, but, but, but I've been running around with my phone and so I call my insurance company. My insurance company was a company called State farm. Uh, and so I call them, I tell them what's happened. Um, my, my, actually my insurance agent drove to the site immediately and starts walking me through the process. Well, the problem is, is when we filed our claim, they said, well, blah, 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 blah. They didn't hear power. They thought that when I said microburst, they thought microburst was lightning. Now state farm covers lightning. They do not cover power-related things. They are actually reinsured by a company called HSB, which stands for Hartford Steam Boiler. So I go through the process, well, the claim process with State Farm for about two weeks, and then they realize, wait, this isn't lightning. This is power-related. We do not cover this. You got to talk to HSB. So we file a new claim with HSB. HSB says, well, you know what, dude? Two weeks has passed or maybe it was 10 days or something, somewhere in there. It, it felt like an eternity because I my world is shattered at this moment. And uh, they say, well, too much time has passed. Too much stuff has moved. All this, this, these things have happened. You didn't call us quick enough. The, maybe State Farm didn't call us quick enough. So we, we have to deny your claim. I'm sorry. We are denying your claim. We can't do anything with your claim. I'm sorry, but we're going to, uh, we're going to have to deny you. And at this moment in my life, I all I have left is perseverance. So I I keep filing and I keep filing and I keep pushing. And I, I've probably appealed it and talked to and ran it up the flagpole, if you will, and escalated the situation. I mean, I'm probably at the fifth person up in the company and I keep getting I keep getting no. I keep getting no. I keep getting no. And I I'm, I'm just, I'm at a loss for words because I'm thinking this, this can't be how it ends. We fought so hard. We finally started hitting our stride. This can't be how it ends. And I get a call from an old client and, uh, realistically, I mean, this is another angel in my life. Uh, her name is Becca Kruger and, uh, 
she says, you know, my, my dad was in insurance for a really long time. I'd love to set up a coffee date for you guys so that, uh, so that maybe he can walk you through how to talk to him so that maybe he can get things accomplished for you or, or I, I don't know. I just know, I mean, he was in insurance for a long time. He could, he could probably help. So I meet, I meet him at this coffee, uh, this coffee place. I was at Starbucks and, uh, I show him the video and I show him all, everything that I have and the evidence that I found and the pictures that I have and, um, the report from XL Energy, the report from the fire station. And he says, well, who, who is your, uh, who's your adjuster? And at this point, um, in insurance, I, I was with a general adjuster and that doesn't mean general, like generalized things. General means he's the general of the field of all the other adjusters. And uh, I was with a general adjuster and uh, I gave Becca's dad, I gave, I gave Becca's dad, uh, his name. And about five minutes later, I get a call from this guy at the company and he says, Hey, Greg, yeah, the initial part of your claim has uh, been approved. We're going to go ahead and uh, send you enough money to uh, at least get back on your feet. Um, and we're going to start looking into it and maybe help you relocate. We're going to have to uh, send someone out from Florida to assess the different gear that happened at the studio. And uh, we're going to uh, help you relocate and uh, we'll start going through the process. But the initial par part of your claim has been approved. And I put down the phone. I look, I look at Becca's dad and I go, um, what? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I was HSB's vice president for 42 years. And uh, maybe he wasn't the vice president for all of those 42 years, but he was a heavy hitter when he ended and he had just retired. So these were all still his friends. When he looked at the, the information, he looked at everything I had. He helped them not say no to me. And uh, that family, um, Becca's dad, Becca's mom, Becca herself, I mean, they are a very instrumental part in who I have become and uh, saved my butt more than a few times. And I'm going to be eternally grateful for who they are and who they were in my life. Um, so if anyone from that family listens to my podcast, thank you so much for everything that you guys have done, continue to do, and and your your beautiful friendship uh, that I we continue to have. So I'm going woohoo! You know, I mean, like yeah, it's it's awesome. So also just to kind of throw it out there, about two months before this crazy thing happened, I had a guy named Travis Henderson come to me. Uh, we 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 talked about him in the open hand. Uh, podcast because he walked me through he was there every step of the way I mean this guy was a rock star for me but he he comes through and he says hey man can I just look at your business policy because he had handled my uh, my renters policy for I don't know maybe four years we, we'd never really talked that much but uh, he's probably in the middle of some sort of sales push and and uh, but he's he's always been there for me. He always always had great vibes, great energy. And he said, "Can I just audit your your business policy? I'd, I'd really like to see what they're doing. Maybe I can do it cheaper. Maybe I can do it better." He looks at my business policy and realizes that because it was recommended by my landlord, he was the only one protected. His stuff was protected. My stuff was not protected. My people were not protected. And he says, "Man, you're grossly underinsured." 
And so I switch. It it does become more expensive, but I switched to State Farm. And then this happens two months ago. So it's like God is dropping these these little nuggets or breadcrumbs on the people I need to be successful, to move forward, to get things done. And uh, we were, I mean, Travis increased my coverage by 700%. Um, it's just incredible, the timeline of things. It's There's there's a reason why my, my brother calls me a, a golden child because everything seems to work out for me. Now, I hope through these stories you can realize that I don't know if golden child is the <laughs> the word for it, but um, I do persevere and I do keep going. I do get up. No matter how many times you knock me down, I'm going to get up. And uh, the more you get up, just just to kind of expand on that, the more you get up, the more, the more opportunities you're going to have, the more people that are going to come in your life. So everything's always going to get better. Remember, it never gets easier. You get stronger. So just remember that. Um, so anyway, uh, we, we, we're going through this thing and we're going, okay, well, um, we, we had, I think about 10%, maybe a little bit more, maybe 13% of our, um, our total amount that we, we were insured for approved. So we're going, okay, well, this is enough to basically pay bills that we owe and, uh, pay rent for right now, but we obviously have a lot more things to figure out because the insurance company says, hey, you know what? You you should probably move because the, the a, a strip mall's infrastructure is not good enough for a studio. So we said, okay, well, is this maybe an opportunity to maybe move? Is this is this a good time to move? And so we start exploring that option. Um, we don't have all the money in the world. Like I said, we basically just got enough to subsidize the income for that month um, pay our employees, pay rent and everything. But I mean, the next month is going to bring the exact same thing. So we're trying to figure out, all right, if, if maybe they'll help us move to a better, more suitable building, maybe we should look at that. Maybe we should, uh, figure that out. So I start just saying, okay, who's out there? What's out there? And, uh, and I mean, not to mention the fact that my landlord and I are just getting out of a giant fight and, uh, I don't want to be there anyway. You know what I mean? But it's it's a lot of work to move. It's a lot of things to push forward through. Because, I mean, think about it. We have we have 8,000 square feet, maybe 7,000 square feet um, at the studio. And it's, it's not so much the location. It's just the fact that me and my dad put so much work into building these beautiful studios. I mean, you would not guess the kind of studio that we have in in this strip mall place behind these doors. I mean, you'd walk in and go, holy crap, how did you guys accomplish this? And uh, so that was hard to let go because it was really when my my dad and I reconnected was through these these ventures. And and uh, there was a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and, and emotion that was wrapped up into these studios. And so it was very hard for both me and my dad to, to make that decision. Not to mention I had... I had what a four thousand square foot house, five thousand square foot house, and uh, it's not like I'm balling out of control. I know that's kind of a big house, but I had roommates. You know what? I I, I had I had people helping me. I mean, I I needed help. Uh, I, now back then, I would never admit it to anybody, but I mean, I needed help. Um, and so it's 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 a lot to it's a lot to figure out. So we start trying to okay, if we move, where would we go? Um, we don't 
there's no way we're going to get the money for the build out through the insurance. So we'd almost have to go to a studio that was, that was already built, but there's not, that's, that's not real estate that comes up all the time with, with 8,000 square feet. Holy crap. How, how, how are we going to find that? And so we're, we're trying to figure it out. And uh, that, that next month is, is getting closer and is getting closer and we can't operate. We don't have anything working. There's no gear working. There's nothing working. So we're not making any money. We certainly can't stay there because my landlord's still an unkind person. We'll just put it that way. Uh, we'd outgrown our welcome, outstayed our welcome. He wasn't the biggest fan of, let's just say musicians. And, uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're in search. We're, we're going, all right, let's start over again. But where do we go? What do we do? And that month, that next month hits us so hard because we haven't been able to make a dollar. We haven't been able to do anything. Now, this next month hits so hard because the house that we're staying in gets hit by I don't, I don't want to say like a full flood, but let's just say it rained like there was no tomorrow. Leaves got caught in the drain or whatever. And uh, the only studio, the only gear that we had left was in the basement. And so I had to go through a renter's insurance claim, which never got approved. It, uh, I mean, I'm still fighting it to this day. I mean, it's probably never going to get approved, but... Everyone basically says checks in the mail and this, that, and the other. So not only do we have this next month hit us, the 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 gear that I had left that maybe I would sell, maybe I would use and and do something with, uh, gets ruined. And I'm going, all right, this the enough is enough, right? Like when when is enough enough? I, I think I'm, I'm, I was past that point, if you know what I mean. And, uh, and it, was, it was actually a bunch of uh, gear that me and my friend Jim Norton bought together. And uh, we, we were going to do some really cool things with uh, advertising. And we had, uh, I had previously done some advertising for BMW and some for Coca-Cola. And um, we were getting ready for a big, really cool advertising campaign with... Uh, I think it was Gentleman Jack. And so I, I started drinking a bunch of Gentleman Jack, of course. I mean, I had to really know the product, right? And so uh, I'd put a bunch of money into this. Jim put a bunch of money into this. And um, the great thing about Jim, Jim and I are still very good friends. I mean, this guy is, he's got a sparkle in his life force, if you will. When you just meet him, you know you have found someone special. And I... I am so glad that he is, he's a realistically, I think he's 81, 82, 83, 84. I don't, I know that Jim's going to listen to this. And if one of those numbers was right, cool, nod your head. Um, but uh, he's one of the most magical people I've met in my life. And I, I really enjoy talking with him. And we, so we're navigating that crap. So, well, we start navigating that crap. Um, that brings obviously everything that we were doing from a sound wise and voiceover and video and different things that we were doing for these guys to a screeching halt. Um, me moving brings everything to a screeching halt. I'm, so I lose both my studios. I've got damage at the house and then to top it off, I've made no money so I can't pay my rent. So now that landlord's saying, Hey dude, I, I know that you're going through it. 
but why are you ducking me, man? I, I need that money. I need that money. And I'm going, oh my God, <laughs> it never ends. Like I wake up in the morning, I pop my head like up and I immediately get hit with money, 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 money. Where's my money? Where's my money? Where's my money? I, I, I'm sure a bunch of you feel that out there because it's the world we live in. We, we are, we are constantly inundated from other people and entities and things needing something from us. So I'm trying to figure out, all right, what, what do I do? Okay. So I'm getting evicted from another place now. Um, I just lost all that gear. What, what happens now? What happens? <laughs> um, so I get a call out of the blue. Remember, we're looking for a studio and it was Mark from Wind Over the Earth. It's an old studio uh, that's up in, that was up in Boulder, Colorado. And he said, hey man, uh, I heard what happened. I'm really sorry about that. Um, I don't know if you'd be interested, but uh, I just, I just want to let you know that uh, we're, we're moving to Longmont. Uh, so our space is available. And they had a pretty nice studio, but more importantly, Super Audio uh, decided to close their doors. Immersive also decided to close their doors. Now, Super Audio and Immersive are two of Colorado's best studios. And Airshow Mastering decided to move their facility to a purpose-built facility that was right on the property of, of the guy who owns it, uh, his house. And then OPS, which is Oceanic Preservation Society, which has an event center <laughs> and video editing bays and studios. And then we have uh, one of the country's best mastering facilities. And then we have Immersive. And then we have Super Audio and Wind Over the Earth. And it's basically an audio complex. It's 25,000 square feet. And he says, hey, just let you know, everyone moved out. So if you need a new place, if you're willing to go to Boulder that might be a good thing for you to look at. Now, I had I'd been to Wind Over the Earth before, but I'd never been into the other studios. And uh, so I said, you know what? I, I want to take a look at this place. And so I drive up without anyone knowing. I look at it. I fall in love with the space. There's just some energy about this space. There's something connecting me to this space. And I'm going, oh man, I never thought in a million years I'd go to Boulder and I have no idea if we're going to be able to pull this off financially because going from 8,000 square feet, tripling it, and then in Boulder, which is far more expensive than where we were, um, it's a tall order. How am I going to pull this off if, if we decide to go there? So I go back and I tell my team, there's a space in Boulder that I, I want you guys to look at. So we all drive up there. Everyone else falls in love with the space. And so... Uh, we're, we're sitting around the house, um, I don't know, probably 10 days before we have to get out of the house. And uh, I look at Thor. Now, Thor is one of my best friends. He's Zach Markle. Um, he was in one of the old podcasts. And we had just gotten into cycling. And uh, we, would, we would literally ride our bikes and we'd time ourselves. We'd ride our bikes from the old house to the old studio almost every day, there and back. That's how we got there. And um, we, I mean, we just had a lot of fun. And so I look at him and I go, well, let's challenge ourselves. Let's take a journey and let's, let's see. And now I lived on the Aurora Reservoir, not like on the actual reservoir, cause that would be super sick, but um, not on the reservoir, but like right outside. So maybe like two miles uh, south of the Aurora Reservoir. 
And so I, I looked at Zach and I said, all right, man, we're going to ride our bikes to the new studio. And if we can make it, if we can get there, then I say we do it. And Zach is not the most spiritual human being that you're, you're going to meet. And, uh, but he is one of the best friends that you'll ever meet. And, uh, so he doesn't maybe necessarily understand my, uh, my, my wanting to do this insane thing. Cause it's, it's, we, we look it up and through the bike trails and everything It's about a hundred miles via bike. And, uh, he goes, um, all right, when do you want to do this? I say, let's, let's wake up early tomorrow morning and let's get this done. And I say, if there's nothing that stops us from getting there, if we persevere and we make this happen, I say we sign the lease, we'll figure it out. And he goes, all right. <laughs> all right. <We're, laughs> what time do you want to leave? This I, Talking about this, it, it sounds insane. But we needed, we needed this like vision quest, if you will. Like this was... This was something that we needed to do for ourselves because we knew this was going to be a long, hard road if we chose to move to Boulder because we were going to uproot our lives. We were going to uproot everything. And so we got up at 5 a.m. the next morning and we began our journey. And we ride and we ride and we ride. And through all the hunger pangs and and uh, we'd pop tires and changing tires and bent rims. There was one time Zach actually bent his rim and we had to go buy him a new rim. But instead of having someone call and pick us up and say, oh, yeah, this is, this is getting ridiculous. Let's go. Let's go home. We, uh, we kept going. And we even, we even went the wrong direction for a while. Sounds like entrepreneurship, right? We went probably 20 miles in the wrong direction because we thought we could ride up. It's, it's, it's a road called 470 that um, is half tollway, half just kind of a loop that can bypass Denver. And so we were riding up the path and then we realized, oh, crap, we needed to take this other trail that goes up through Denver. It's a lot easier to get to Boulder that way. Um, rode in the wrong direction, flat tires. Um, my knee started hurting like there was no tomorrow. Uh, we fell off of our bikes. There was a couple wrecks. Um, we had to go to Bike Source and buy a new rim because went over this big pothole and bent his rim. Um, and then trying to grab food on the way and being dehydrated. I mean, it it was crazy. It was it was crazy. And about nine hours later, maybe maybe even more than that, actually, it seemed like we left crazy early in the morning. And I'll bet you we it's probably 13 hours later. Actually, realistically, it's probably 13 hours later. And uh, we got to Boulder. We got to Boulder. And when we were standing outside of this new studio, we were going to sign the lease on and take a giant risk. But for some reason, we weren't scared because... I mean, at that moment, nothing in the world could have been harder than that ride. Because also, we weren't conditioned for it. We were not conditioned for it. I mean, I think the longest ride that we had taken to that point was 20 miles, not 100. Our first century was also the... Just a, it's a, It was a cornerstone. It was an anchor. It was something that we... A stake in the ground that we said, all right, 
This is who we are and we will persevere. We will not be denied. And the great thing that I think happened early on that gave me enough courage to do that, because realistically, this was a much bigger venture. We didn't have the right uh, kind of musicians because we did a lot of pop and hip hop and jingles and different things. We didn't have a lot of really big bands. And this that's kind of what this studio was tailored to. So why would we sign a lease on it? Well, we had bigger aspirations. We wanted to be a school. And we started out as an apprenticeship program. And the thing that really changed us to, I think, a school, one of, again, our cornerstones in the school was, uh, I I think I talked about him in a uh, previous podcast, but it's uh, a guy named Rob Gedalian. And he was one of our, he was realistically our first real student because before it was kind of based off the model of an apprenticeship or a mentorship, very similar to what uh, the recording connection does. And that's kind of where we got the idea. Um, but I remember Rob coming to us one day and saying, you know, guys, I need more structure. This was a guy who challenged us. So we thought we were doing a great job, but he communicated with us in a very constructive manner, came back to us and said, Hey, can I get more structure? Can, can I learn about this? Can we try this? Can, can I have this set time? Can, can we do this? Can we schedule this just a little bit better? And he did it in such a way, not, not, I was expecting more and getting all weird. He, he, he wanted to build with us. He wanted to help us as a student. And, uh, so we started really developing his program and he, he was a student for us through this, this whole, like when the, the craziness happened, the, 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 <laughs> the microburst that just upended our lives. I mean, he was a student through all of that as well. And, uh, I, I have to admit, I do not think that if he hadn't challenged us to be a better school and be better teachers and, and make a program that we are just truly passionate about, I don't know if I would have signed the lease. That's how much that guy changed my life. Because he showed me what and who we could be. He challenged us to be better. He challenged us to be a school that we to just really just dig our heels in and dig deep and make something that we were just super passionate about. Now, I don't want to say that we were just in it to make money at the beginning. It's just that we didn't really know how to do a school. It was it was I mean, at this point it's what 3 years ago or something crazy. But he challenged us to be who he knew that we could be. And he helped us make that final shift from a studio to a school and really become an education company. And for that, I'm going to be forever grateful to him because he changed our course. He really did. Now, without him, would we have found our way? Probably. I mean, that's who we are. We are very passionate people. He just really helped solidify that push. And if he hadn't have done that right then, we wouldn't have this great facility that we're in today. And so I'm always going to be very, very thankful for who he was in that moment as a student. And he still works for us today and who he is every single day because he has the best attitude. He's extraordinarily smart and it is an honor, honor to have him on the team. And I am so thankful and blessed to have him in my life because 
He changed my course. He changed everything. Because if we hadn't said yes to this facility, I wouldn't have met so many great people. We wouldn't have have had these particular students. We wouldn't have had these particular employees. Now, through this transition and through this move, I mean, you can imagine, I mean, my employees, I can't pay them. Um, we're, we're getting evicted from our home. We lost our studio at our home. And uh, these guys stuck with me. These guys believed in me just as much as I believed in them. That's, that's why we have such a great team. So I signed the lease. I signed the lease. And then the landlord asks for financials. So I give him financials. I'm, just, I'm an open book. He says, dude, you do not have, you don't have the, the capital or the financials to back up wanting this place. What are you doing? And I said, man, you got to trust me. Just let's, I've got a vision for this place. It's going to be right. And he says, no, the landlord says no. And so I go to my business partner because I mean, things are still shaky. We're not a hundred percent done yet. He's still technically in the business. I go to him. I say, Hey, this is the move that we need to do. I, I need to get you on the lease um, or they're not going to do it. And so then he says, no, he says, man, that's all the way in Boulder. That's three times. I mean, realistically, was it a, was it a good business decision for him? Probably at the time with the information he had, but you never know what visionaries are capable of. And he said no. He since wished that he said yes and stayed with us, but it is what it is. So I have to figure out how to do this on my own. So I go back and I give an amazing business plan to my prospective landlord and I give him a pitch and I show him exactly what we're going to do and this is how we're going to build the school. The financials that you're looking at from the past are the past and they are based on us being primarily a studio. When we come to Boulder, we are going to be an education facility that all of my instructors who have gone and gotten formal educations, we're building the school that we wished we would have gone to. Trust me, this is going to change the game. We're going to change. We're going to change and disrupt the education industry through music. And it wasn't until I said through music that he says, okay, I believe you. He said, my family's owned this this complex for a long time, and it's always had something to do with music. I don't want to give up on the music. I believe in you. I see your passion. So let's make this happen. He shakes my hand, and I sign over a check that is every last penny that we have. is all the insurance money that we had, the, the relocation costs, the this, that, and the other. Now, we're still fighting a few battles with the insurance, but they gave us this money to to hopefully get us over the hill or or, or whatever it is, but... We made that business decision to move to Boulder. And so we're back to eating ramen. We don't have any money. Nobody does. I signed that lease. I go back. And that, that whole thing took about nine, 10 days. So we go back and we have to get out of our house because we didn't have enough money to pay that. I chose again for the second time in my life. You know what? I'm going to pay for the studio. I am going to trust myself. I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to put all of my chips in. I'm going all in instead of financing a bed. This is just on a lot bigger scale than when I first came to Denver. All my chips are in. Every penny I have, everything that I have is on this new location. We go back, we pack all of our stuff up and we put it in storage. 
and then we sleep in our car. Now, just so you know, with this house, I had Ashley living with me, Zach Markle living with me, and Mitch Zonnefeld living with me. I asked them first, I said, are we going to get a house, guys, or are we putting all our chips in? Because for all intents and purposes, I'm making my I'm making my wife homeless. I'm making these three beautiful people, these guardian angels of my life, I'm making them homeless. And they said, we're with you. Let's make this happen. We believe. Let's do this. And I knew I had found the right team. I knew that with this team, anything was possible. We could do this. It's a huge chance. It's a huge risk. But again, I bet on us. I chose us, not a bed, not stability, not security. I chose vision. And that's why I always believe in vision over circumstance. But it doesn't change the fact I don't have the keys yet because I don't get them for another two weeks. And we're homeless. We are homeless. This has been part eight of The Homeless Millionaire inside the Final Percent podcast. This is my story. I'm Greg Kimball, and I appreciate you guys so much for enduring almost 40 minutes of, of, of this, this story. Um, it's huge for me to be able to recap these things, and the fact that anybody would listen to this, it, it really, truly, and honestly means the world. This is what made me me for Better or worse, good, bad, up, down. I'm, I'm being really candid with you guys. And I hope that in some way it helps. I hope that in some way it makes you just a little bit better than you were the day before. Now, I know I've said that it was going to be a five-part series, a six-part series. I can tell you right now, this is actually going to be a ten-part series. We have two parts left. Hopefully, stop by tomorrow for part nine. I'm going to bring this thing home. I'm going to bring you guys current to let you know where we're at right now. Again, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate you. See you tomorrow.